Rebecca Schmeda has worked hard over her time as a writer and editor to make poetry accessible to everyone, not just those in academia. She herself graduated with a BA in English and Creative Writing from SUNY New Paltz and an MA in Poetics and Creative Writing from San Francisco State University. She is the author of full-length books, Falling Forward, Cadillac Men, Waiting at the Dead End Diner, Our One-Way Street, and the following chapbooks, The Tear Duct of Our Storm, Dream Big, Work Harder, The Map of Our Garden, From Seed to Sin, and she's the co-author of Common Wages with Don Winter. In her writing, she often tells the stories of the working class. She once took a job as a waitress for a book, Waiting at the Dead End Diner, and got inspiration from the people who walked in the door and sat at her tables. In her book, Cadillac Men, Rebecca writes about the regulars who frequented the pool hall her and her husband opened in Kingston, New York. She read about one of those characters, Mikey Meatballs, at restaurant Navona in Albany on October 19, 2016. Mikey Meatball's been kicked out of every pool hall he's ever set foot in. He's forged checks, harassed patrons, hustled a small fortune, lost a small fortune. Once, he repeatedly rammed his car into a guy's truck over a botched bed. He's been locked up and drugged up. He blames it all on Agent Orange. In Vietnam, he was an officer. In Jersey, he owned a billiard hall. In Brooklyn, he owned an Italian delicatessen. They called him Papa Meeple. In Texas, he played a man for his Cadillac and won, but totaled it on his way back east. On Haight-Ashbury, he sold a hookah to a hippie for 10 grand, claiming it was Jerry Garcia's. In Connecticut, he siphoned gas from some fish's car before winning his wedding band on the table. He's a regular in the police blotter, most recently for whipping his at a bagel shop owner for skimping him on cream cheese. <laughs> Once he convinced some kid he shot like because he was using a left-handed pool cue. Last week, he told me he saw my husband pick up a prostitute on Broadway just to see my jaw drop. Instead, I responded, well, at least he's getting some. <laughs> when Mikey looks into the table, he sees his own version of reality. Fifteen object balls, six pockets, and men who will believe anything he says if there's money on the table. The uh, Mikey Meatballs came from, um, my husband and I owned a pool hall in Kingston, New York. And the pool hall um, had a colorful crew of people who came in. And it was right um, before the recession is when we opened it. And then when the recession hit, it was you know, a difficult time. And um, I was working full time and my husband was doing you know most of the time at the pool hall and doing other side business. And we kind of, um, met all these characters that came in. And I say characters because they were characters and they became part of the poems that I wrote for a book called Cadillac Men. Um, Mikey Meatballs in particular was a well-known um, local pool player who was a good pool player, really good pool player. Um, he was known for um, getting into a lot of trouble uh, with the law. He um, actually, there was another pool hall and in, the area and in Kingston. And 
who the we actually bought the equipment from the guy and that owned that pool hall and Mikey Meatballs that's not his real name but he's a real person he ended up actually driving his truck through the front of the pool hall and um, hitting it hitting breaking the windows and stuff over a botched bet so he was a character that was extremely um, people in, in the area knew who he was um, and the funniest part about him was that his, like, we were in a pool league down there and his girlfriend, wife, kind of on and off again, wife, then divorce and girlfriend, um, actually heard me read that poem at a poetry reading and didn't know it was him. We only had it for a year. Once the recession hit, we couldn't even, we couldn't keep the doors open. Uh, pool halls, like... They're just so like, especially when we had it, uh, this was, I guess, 2007 was the recession. So it was right around then. Um, you, you can't, the overhead is so high that you, to keep the doors open, we just couldn't do it. And we didn't have a bar initially. We kind of, we didn't want to do the whole bar thing. We wanted a kid friendly place, which you can't do. You need the money from alcohol, unfortunately. Right. So, um, you know, we did a year and then we had to close down. We couldn't, we just couldn't keep the doors open. It, we were losing money keeping the doors open. So we paid out our, um, we owed money and we paid it out and just closed. Rebecca is co-founder and editor of Trailer Park Quarterly, an online zine for poetry. She started TPQ with a desire to give poets who were not on the college and university circuit a chance to be read and appreciated by a larger global audience. The goal was much like Mark Kelly Smith's when he started the idea of a poetry slam in Chicago in the 1980s, giving the working class writer a platform to share their work. So Trailer Park Quarterly was um, initially uh, Daniel Crocker, who's a Missouri um, professor and poet, um, started Trailer Park Quarterly. And he asked me to join, like, I think about a year after he started. His whole idea is that he wanted, like, we were both academic poets. Um, you know, at in school, but in life, we weren't re really writing academic work. And we couldn't find places, either of us, where we really could showcase our work. And we wanted to create, he wanted to create a forum where we got real poetry from real people. And it was exciting and not, you know, about flowers or, you know, academic um, big words. We just wanted real real writing, raw, um, just beautiful stuff. And, you know, we both had the same vision. And so when he asked me, I was like, absolutely. And then we worked for, you know, God, it, I think it was like a, over a decade um, on TPQ. And then he recently just took a back seat for a few years. Trailer Park Quarterly is currently accepting submissions for two upcoming issues. Rebecca goes on to talk about some ideas for these issues and trying new things with the online format. We're open for submissions from now until December 15th. Uh, we decided it was Jason Baldinger is uh, my co-editor right now. Um, we decided that we would, we, we would read for two issues. So we would have one open period for two issues and we'll bank the work that we're saving. Uh, we're, we're really thinking about doing an audio issue. Um, so that will be a component.
component of one of the issues. I think it's so wonderful to hear a poem read. It's a totally different feel than than what, looking at it, you know, on online because it's an online magazine, not on paper. Um, so we're really excited about that. And the, you know, we're getting some great, we already have like tons of submissions. So, and from writers that are amazing. And now working with the Hudson Valley Writers Guild, Shemeda wants to get students from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade involved in writing, editing, and publishing their very own literary and art magazine. Yes. So we're starting, um, the Hudson Valley Writers Guild um, is kind of starting a kids um a k through 12 i i believe it's going to be more high school depending on what submissions we get um magazine that showcases um students of the hudson valley's work uh both poetry and art uh, it's it's slow moving we're getting you know we we're getting there we have some some small contri contributions we're reaching out to educators to um let them know what's going on but it's really exciting because I think that the Guild, um, you know, hasn't really had the audience of young adults. So I think that this is an important step forward. And be, by getting a new audience, we're really opening the door to some, you know, new, new ideas, some innovations that will really change. And she explains the importance of getting young writers involved. Sometimes kids don't realize that they have a place, a voice, and their voice is often you know, censored. So the mm -hmm. idea that they'll be able to have a voice and, and work with other writers, you know, that would be my goal. You know, I'd, I'd love to see where it goes. And I'm hoping that it, you know, a lot of people will contribute and add to it. So it's, it's exciting. I'm really excited about that. When she's not writing or working on her next book of poems, you'll find her in the classroom. Rebecca teaches at an alternative high school and career technical center in the capital region, working closely with the next generation of writers, artists, and working class heroes. You can find more of her work at her website, rebecca-schmeda.com. For Hudson Mohawk Magazine, I'm Tom Francis.